one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And thanks for joining us once again. Another edition of Poker Action Line here. We come to you from South Florida every week. And a lot of people have been tuning into the show, picking us up on SoundCloud. Uh, well over 1,000 every week, sometimes 1,500, 1,600 people. Uh, very happy to hear that. And uh, we look to increase the crowd as we move along uh, here. Um, lots of stuff to uh, talk about as usual, including World Series of Poker Europe, which is underway now. Uh, two things struck me by looking at some of the articles about the World Series of Poker in Europe. And uh, we know it's the second year back in Razvedov, which is a small city in Czechoslovakia, Czech, Czech Republic, I should say, uh, near the German border. And uh, the thing that pops out at me is there's, I never heard of anybody that's there just about. I mean, there's a few players there. Sean Deeb is there to try to tack down the uh, World Series of Poker Player of the Year. Uh, Alan Kessler is there, a few other players like that. Uh, but I looked down some of these lists, like the the final uh, finishers, the top ten finishers in the Colossus, which is already completed, uh, the final tables of uh, the PLO tournament. And I'm hard-pressed to hear somebody that I've ever heard of. Well, you know, with the Colossus, is it priced about the same here, around 500 equivalent U.S. for the Colossus? I don't know if you get, you know, obviously here you'll get some of the big name players, but I don't know if the big name players will go for the Colossus over there. It's just got to navigate through such a large field, and I don't know how large their field is. I don't assume it's 16,000, 17,000 like we got here. No, no. Last year they had uh, forty, a little over 4,100. Uh, this year they only had under 3,000. Twenty nine ninety two or something like that. Okay, that's not a that's obviously a big drop not, off. That's over twenty five percent drop off. Yeah. So that's a big that's a major drop off. Um, you know, could it be the the hotel? I mean, the the casino that they're at? Or no, it's it a very large, very nice casino. Uh, I think I think the problem is, uh, you know, with so much going on in Vegas, just like every year, but with the tournament finishing there, and then the other big tournaments that have been added in between July and. November when the season kicks off. And that's a big travel, too. It is. It is. Know. And uh, last week we talked about some of the things you need to know if you go to Europe and play poker. And uh, uh, we had fun talking about that. But uh, it made us realize, you know, that it really is an effort. There's a lot of things you got to learn. There's a lot of things you got to plan ahead for. And, uh, you know, I guess if you had done it once and had some problems, you may not go back. Yeah. there And, you know, the way the poker world is right now, you really don't have to. Somebody like Sean Deeben, who was it last year? Was it uh, uh, Jesus Ferguson? Yeah, he's there. He again. went there. He went, he went there also to, to get Player of the Year. Points, uh, right? Uh, yeah, the points, exactly. and he wound up getting him to become Player yeah, of the back, Year. He's back there again. You know, so there's there's an incentive for those people, but for the others, you know, it's an, a, a large expense. Uh, you know, obviously we don't know what kind of endorsement deals they have, but there's no longer. That that sugar train, you know, <laughs> that gravy train dr- rolling through. That you know, you had your your the people, your sponsors, you know, paying your, all your expenses going down there. So you got to kind of pick and choose. And again, you know, you're in a foreign country, uh, getting your money if you win. You know, those are things that I don't know how easy or hard it is. We kind of touched a little bit upon that. You know, you you 
there's a there, like you said, it's a lot of it's a big effort, and for whatever reason, maybe a language barrier. Also, Dave, even though English is the international language that's spoken at the poker tables, you know, it it may not feel comfortable. You know, not right. because it's on purpose, because somebody's trying to say, yeah, just just you're you're in another country where they speak a different language as, as their language, and you know, I, it's so funny because isn't the World Series of Poker in Europe now? Then they didn't. Weren't they supposed to be going to alternate years or something? Uh, did they? Well, they cut down all, a lot of the. I think that had schedule. more to do with the uh, the Asian one, uh, World Series of Poker Asia. But then again, I think you're right. I think, I they, think did they skipped. They were alternating now, now it's every year. year now it's back to every year. Yeah. And well, I think the bottom line is, how many times do you have to see the uh, Eiffel Tower? <laughs> picking out some kind of uh, European landmarks, and uh, you know, right. this is a small you know, we town. We, we forget uh, that when these players go, you know, uh, you know, poker life is not conducive to married life. You yeah. know, uh, it, it really isn't. Yeah, right. It's a very difficult scenario. We've had Bernard Lee on our show talk about, you know, the the great support that he gets from his wife, who's a doctor. Um, Love to hear Jason's, uh, even and his wife is a poker player, but they now have a, a lovely daughter. But, you know, how hard is that? Because let me tell you, it's a hard life. You know, you're in those tables. It's not like you're on vacation where you can make dinner reservations and then go see a nice play or go see, you know, one of the, one of the great wonders of the world or something. Right. You know, you're there to, to make money and to work. Well, I, I, just to throw this in, uh, Jason and Natasha, I follow them both on Twitter and uh Jason hasn't been tweeting a lot lately, but Natasha has uh, sent a few pictures of the baby, and she had a picture of her holding the baby, and she said uh, something to the effect of, uh, never realized that my uh, that I would be more passionate about my life as a mother than as my life as a and poker player. And and no one realizes that until you have a child. Right. It's it's it, it, you always heard. I don't you know, Dave. I know you don't have children, but uh, our producer here, Gio. I don't know, but Gio, I know I always heard, you know, you always hear people, so maybe he was in your own family, but, you know, I would give my life for my child, and when you don't have a child, it's hard to fathom that. It really is. And the moment, the first moment that you see your child's face for the first time ever after they're born, your life changes at that moment. You're, the, the, the life you knew completely changes and i'm sure every parent in the world will tell people who don't have children that's the case you you couldn't believe that you would give up something that you thought you never could give up and you do it for your child and you know it's it actually it doesn't surprise me you know i know it comes as a surprise to her because it's her first child but i'm sure her parents and jason's parents are smiling and laughing because they already know that secret Right, for sure. Uh, by the way, the uh, Colossus, uh, even though they had less than 3,000 players, was a pretty nice event, and uh, uh, they are finished with that one. Uh, the winner uh, of that one was uh, Tamir Siegel, and uh, he's from Israel, and uh, there's also an Israeli player leading the uh, event number two, so uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that. Uh, but Tamir Siegel, the winner... Uh, beat 2,992 uh, total players for the event, winning the first place prize of uh, 203,000 euros. And uh, uh, really don't see a lot of people. I, like I said, I, I looked at this, and I, I could read some of these names, but uh, Wojciech uh, Wibrebski, you heard of him? Uh, heard of him. Axel Iguin, Darius Glinski, Hannes Neurauter. 
Francis, it's about time you started doing something. <laughs> Fran- Francesco Del Foco, Flavio Decataldo, both Italians, obviously, uh, Krasimir Yankov, and Bjorn Bowman's Nelio Gatto. That was the top ten. You know, obviously, I have no clue who, who those people are. Um, but you know, we we do get a lot of people from all over, from all different countries around the world coming to play at the main, you know, the World Series uh, here in the U.S. And I don't I don't know if I heard any of those names in any of the events down here from the 70 events that we read, you know, that that were in uh, this year's uh, World Series of Poker. Right. So well, you get new people, and there's always going to be some kind of turnover as to the players and that sort of thing. Uh, I guess everybody looks for something different. I like to see the people I've had on the show, uh, some of the big names, and watch them compete down the stretch. But I guess a lot of people are, are thrilled with the f- f- fact of having breakout players and, and new people that will be the stars of, of tomorrow. Well, uh, as as a former poker room manager, you know the top players eventually are going to you know get theirs. Let's just put it that way. They're going to get theirs. So it's nice to see in some of these events, you know, uh, what was the big thrill that, that, you know, that everyone credits with the spark of, you know, the explosion of poker was Chris Moneymaker. Right. And taking down, um, uh, what was his name? Um, I know Phil Ivey was on that final table, uh, but uh, what was the guy that he always had the cigarette off? Sammy, oh, uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy Farha. Farha. Yeah. Okay. When you see somebody who's unknown like that, you know, Get through a quad twenty-something dollar qualifier online, wins the two million and change that he won for first place or whatever it was. You know, it 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 ignites a little fire under under the the the, the people that are just grinding it out, maybe socially, maybe playing a little bit more than they should, but it's not really how they make their living. And you need these these people to win, make deep runs, maybe have a table like that. The, to me, the ideal scenario for this is to have one, maybe two big names at the table with seven basically unknown to the rest of the po- poker world. They might be very good players and, and known amongst good right. poker players, but you know they're not, you know they're not a, a nationally known players. They look like they're the new ones and maybe even getting a, another money maker and some of the players that have come through and, and have won these things because it gives the writers something to write about. The people like us who do these shows to talk about these people, get them on the show and let people know, hey, this is possible. And poker needs that. And, and, right. and I guarantee you every poker room in the world will tell you that. Yeah, the big names brings in the TV people, but you need that to bring in the actual live bodies into the casino and plunk their money down to play in these tournaments. They've got to believe that they have a chance to win. This. Absolutely. But if you like to watch poker, you can uh, watch these uh, final tables uh, with uh, uh, live hole cards, by the way. And uh, the times are different. Obviously, there's a five- or six-hour time difference. I think six hours. So, uh, you know, they're probably playing uh, the final tables from, like, midnight to uh, 6 a.m., that sort of thing. But you can pick this up uh, also, uh, several events still upcoming, but on WSOP.com forward slash live forward slash. And uh, you can check out some of that. should be fun. Uh, even though there's players that you may not have heard of, you may find some new favorites. Uh, there is well, still the Monster Stack to come and several other tournaments. The main event, by the way, starts... Uh, on uh, October 28th, 
and they'll be live streaming days two through six. So the final table. On Poker Go, you said? No, it will oh. be on uh, WSOP.com. I don't believe it's tied in with, uh, oh, okay, with, with Poker, Poker Go. Go. Okay. Anyway. Well, uh, that's how I like to watch there's it. There's also know. a stream in German on Twitch TV. I'm a little rusty with my German. Yeah. <laughs> but the first event, uh, Tamir Siegel wins that one. There's two events going on right now. Of course, Sean Deeb, the player of the year leader, as he heads over there. Joe Yu right behind him. I'm not sure if he's even in the Europe right now. Joe Cotta third. Uh, I guess if you're looking for someone to come from behind, uh, you're probably not going to find one. I don't know why Deeb yeah, I wonder if Joe's there. That'd make it interesting if Joe yeah, went over I there. Don't, I, mean, I don't believe so. You know. But uh, it's a couple of events still going on right now. The event number two is down to the final table. And uh, they'll be resuming tomorrow to finish that up. And uh, chip leader in that one is also an Israeli, as I mentioned. Uh, Asi Moshe is the chip leader. And right behind him, James Bullimore from the UK. Giuliano Benedelli, Bendinelli, and Robert Schultz, Victor Katzenberger, and Van Trepp Wynn. Another uh, group that uh, we'll have to introduce ourselves to. Um, they will go at it tomorrow in that event. Sean Deeb uh, finished 11th, so uh, didn't pick up any points, I don't believe, for that. But he was had a chance to uh, close in on that. Event number three has 24 players left. That is uh, uh, the PLO tournament, the uh, event number three. And uh, they're battling. No, I'm sorry. It's a PLO eight-handed is exactly what it is. 550 euro buy-in. And the chip leader is Dortal. Romaine Lewis is second. Alfredo Vega Meister is third. And, again, I'm hard-pressed to look down the list and see anybody that I've heard of. But that's the way it goes. Uh, You know, I guess good play is good play whether you are familiar with a person or not. Yeah, and like I said, all you need is to play really good for a few days in some of these tournaments. You know, just like they say, catching lightning in the bottle uh, is all you need because we've seen main event winners who have done absolutely nothing after they've won the main event. Right, exactly. And But they look like world beaters when, when they were going through that stretch, that weak stretch. Uh, here locally in the U.S., the... Uh the WPT is in uh, Jacksonville for the Best Bet Bounty Scramble, which uh, starts on October the 19th. And uh, some interesting bounties in that one. It should be fun to watch. They they are underway with some of the uh, preliminary events, but uh, we will be uh, checking that out. The 19th through the 23rd are the dates for Best Bet Bounty Scramble. And uh, some interesting uh, bounty players include, uh, you know, Kevin Pollock would be a name that would pop out at me as someone who would be interested in watching. Yes. Uh, some of our friends of our show, of our show like Matt Savage, Matt Glantz, uh, Tristan Wade, uh, Kelly Minkin, Jessica Dolly, and uh, Jamie Kerstetter, player, some of the people who have been on the show, Lonnie Harwood, uh, are all there for that. Uh, Richard Seymour, the ex-football player, is playing as well. Marv Rettenmeyer. And uh, Kitty Quo, Lacey Jones, Ari Engel, Byron Coverman. So that all starts up on the 19th, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. And, uh, of course, the WSOP circuit, uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as well. So let's take our first break on the show. When we get back, uh, I want to get to a little article that I pulled today. And uh, Joe was very. I got Joe got a chance to read it before the show, and I wanted to get his thoughts on it. It's uh, kind of one of the uh, regular feature with the dealer chick 
who uh, answers a question from the viewer or the the reader and uh, talks about uh, uh, good poker citizens, good poker citizens, but maybe who push it a little too far and infringe on the on the dealer's uh, yeah. uh, duties. Like I call them, table captains table or table captains. Man- or mo- monitors, uh, dealer's assistants. Uh, the, those are the nice names that, <laughs> that dealers call them sometimes. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll look ahead to some other things that are coming in the near future here in the world of poker, as we usually do, and we'll talk more. When we return, you're listening once again to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Can you tell if this burger contains bacteria that could cause kidney failure? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. There's only one way to tell if you've cooked meat and poultry to a bacteria-killing temperature. Use a food thermometer. It's not an extra step or a nice to have. Raw or undercooked meat may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by using a food thermometer every time. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line. Uh, And the uh, article I read is from uh, CardPlayer.com, and it's right up on one of their top articles. But I want to talk about it. Because the question uh, that the dealer chick answers is, uh, a player writes in that he was playing in a tournament. The dealer got annoyed at me for collecting the antis. Uh, I was just trying to speed up the game. Players are constantly slowing down the action, and I want more hands. What can I do to help speed up the game without upsetting the dealer? And uh, the, the dealer chick goes into an explanation, because uh, this is obviously a pet peeve for some dealers. Some people... You know, can handle it and uh, are not insulted, but uh, some take it maybe to mean that uh, they don't care or they don't take pride in their work. Well, the people who who are bothered by this mostly are your break-in dealers, your your new ones, your dealers who haven't quite. Uh, I don't I don't know how to say this uh, nicely, but who haven't really put in the effort that they should. <laughs> They're kind of just going through the motions. And, you know, you're taught how to deal. 
But it's like anything else in life when you when you learn a trade, whether you're a profession, you know, school and the real life is a little different. You understand? Mm-hmm. And and for people our age, Dave, you know, you know that, you know, if you've earned a degree in, in a lawyer, yeah, they teach you all the laws and everything else. Then you get to a law firm and you realize things work a little differently than than what was taught to you in school. You know, that, that that's the uh, the educational part and the real life part. Dealing is no different, okay? And dealing, you know, the thing is running a clean game without mistakes because mistakes not only cost people money, but it slows down the game. And if it's in live cash games, you know, you're costing yourself money. And more importantly, you're costing the house money. And when you start costing the house money, they start looking for somebody else who can make them more money. Well, when we talk about uh, being a good poker citizen, a lot of times it has to do with uh, players kind of – Getting everybody to ante up, because that could be a big problem. I know that that was a major problem in the game. That is one of the biggest problems, and most, you know, uh, obviously in Andy's, you're you're mostly talking uh, tournament poker, where, you know, Andy's kicking at one level or another, and habitually the same person on the table is always forgetting to put in their ante, and it gets frustrating as a dealer, and, you know, because you're taking that for granted. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're concentrating on getting the cards in tournaments. They usually don't have an automatic shuffler, so you're going through the through the, the dealing process of shuffling the, the cards. So you have your head down, so when you cut the deck that you're, you know, almost ready to proceed to start dealing the cards, you swipe around, and then all of a sudden you look and you see... You're one let, short. Let, right, let's assume that Annie was 25, a 25 uh, chip, uh, count chip, and you see nine players, eight chips in the table... One no, is short. And then people go, oh, I put mine in. I put and as in. a dealer, it's a mistake that you made because you come around and right. you kind of sweep thinking that it's all there. And what my history has explained to me, you know, my experience has explained to me is, is that it's usually the same person. Right. They're just inexperienced, novice person, they're, or they're watching something, a sporting event that they've bet on, or they're, they're on, their, you know, they're on their, their pads watching a movie. People who are, you know, distracted by something else, and it becomes annoying to the table. And the reason, just like that, right, uh, the person who wrote the letter stated, it, it, you know, when you're in a tournament, you're on a clock for, for the levels, for the blinds and the andies. Right. So if you're getting three or four less hands at a cheaper rate, it's, the tournament is more expensive to you because you're, you're putting up higher denominations, you know, quicker than anybody else. You're not getting that advantage of getting an extra four, five, six hands right. an hour. And it, gets, and it gets, you know, really, you know, it gets to be, a, a, you know, a, an issue. And some other players who don't like that, at first, most of the time says, hey, buddy, come on, put up your annies. And as they say, some people will collect them for you. As an experienced dealer, I, you don't want anybody it doesn't, no, 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 no. Stuff. It actually doesn't bother me no? unless somebody else has a problem because some people have a problem with someone touching their chips, right. another player. Right. So if no one complains, listen, I've had so many years of experience, it's not going to be a bother. As long as I see nine chips or ten chips, depending on how many players are sitting at the table in the center, that's fine. It moves the game for me. I don't have to worry about it. But once you see that it becomes a distraction or, or, or you know, it starts bothering players on your table, then you have to have, an, you know, you have to control the situation. Right. Tell the person, thanks for your help, but I'll take care of it from here. Well, there are dealers who are in, obviously inexperienced. There are ones that are just not very good. But she illustrates the story by saying, 
that she just sat down at a table, and one of the players was tapping the table in front of other players saying, put your ante up, put your ante up. Uh, she said it wasn't rude, so she didn't really respond right away, but he kept doing it, and she said, thanks, I got this. Yeah. You know, well, now you're I, stepping in on her job. I, yeah, she now, hadn't even thro- pitched a card yet. She yeah, said, she right, and, and she's the one writing the article, right? right? And so she's an experienced dealer, and I love this article that this, this woman wrote, okay, because I couldn't agree with it <laughs> anymore. But, you know, usually I try – my, my personality tends to lead to a, you know, to a sense of humor to kind of make sure it breaks it down. It doesn't always work, but usually I'm like, hey, don't get my table captain upset here. Get those annies up, you know. <laughs> and, it, you know, it lets him know that he's, he's always upset, but you're not telling him, hey, stop and scolding him like if he's a child. Uh, she says um, that one valuable piece of advice to her early in, his career, early in her career, and if you are a poker dealer listening to the show, you might uh, listen to this one real closely. Uh, she was told that the best way to put a table at ease when she taps in, is to verify and shuffle the deck as efficiently as possible, then pitch the cards quickly and accurately. How well I can get out that first hand indicates my skill level as a dealer. And when I achieve that solid first impression, players are relieved to be uh, given 30 minutes to focus on their game instead of the dealer. Right. And, you know, listen, I've seen dealers who, who in the mechanics of the game, are close to second to none. But yet they can't run a game properly, you know. So she was taught that, yes, it looks nice when you see a dealer who, who's not fumbling with the cards right. and pitching them correctly and shuffling and, and all of that. But then if you don't know how to run the game efficiently and move the game along, because that's how it is, whether it's tournament poker or, or cash game, live game poker, okay, the, if, 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 especially if it's a higher limit game where people are on time rake, you know, mm-hmm. which which is now you're, every dealer sits down and they're charging a, a certain amount, and that way you don't have to worry about raking the pot at all. Okay, those are even worse because now they're like, hey, come on, buddy, I'm paying for half an hour, and, you know, we're not getting the hands out. And it's and if it's you making the mistakes, you're going to catch that wrath of, of, the, of the whole table. And on live games, I find the table captain, as I like to call them, um, Anger the players more than in a tournament, yeah, you know, and you know obviously because of the ca- you know the, the the cash component, you know being live at that moment, and when I see that it's starting to get like that, one of my lines which she didn't use there, but if she's if she hears our show wants to use it, the way I used to almost always calm them down, it for some reason after I said this they, they rarely did anything after that. I'd look at them and go, hey, thanks for the help, but I'm not going to share my tips with you. <laughs> and 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 that you know that every I'd get a laugh uh. and usually that took care of most people. Every now and then you had to eventually say, "Hey, buddy, come on! I've asked you to please stop doing that." You know, but I always try to take the humorous side so I'm not hurting anybody's feelings and just keep the whole table at ease. But again, that's my personality. Not everybody does things like that. Some dealers are just like robots; they're just there to throw cards, yes, no, and that's it. Well, she says she, she she does make sure that she does her part, but to keep the game moving, she needs players to pay attention. There's obviously a lot of distractions, uh, people talking at the table, people getting drinks, uh, flirting with a cocktail waitress, or playing other computer games. She said uh, the game should not be forsaken for your Candy Crush high score. 
<laughs> Which is it's, a great line. It's true, but in today's day and age, this the, you know what she's going through there, and what I went through when I when you know the paramutual poker rooms opened up here. Well, you're an old timer. They didn't have uh, Candy Crush back then. Well, no, but you know you didn't. <laughs> the only thing that distracted any poker player when I was playing poker, and was, you know. I would say about 70% of poker players that I knew, and that number may actually be a little low, also gambled on sports. Right. So if there was a sporting event on, that was the only time yeah, that absolutely. it would slow down. Now, you and I, well, I know that you weren't in the poker, but what became very frustrating to me, because I didn't grow up with this, was we we worked at Miami Highlight. So it's a paramutual game. So a lot of the players were betting on the games, watching it behind TV behind us, and now a game point comes up in highlight, and instead of worrying about, you know, a certain pot here because they may win $4,000 on a trifecta, and it was frustrating as yeah. hell. And for the few players who did not gamble, they were losing their mind, Dave. Yeah, right. They were yeah, real, literally like, hey, deal, okay. And I'm like, what do you want me to? They're allowed to bet on the games and the, and the casinos down here in South Florida weren't going to do anything about it because they're earning revenue from both ends, and actually you're earning more revenue from the paramutual side. So it was a very fine line that we had to walk there. And and let me tell you, you you didn't always, you know, get get to make a happy customer. Some of them left your place cursing, you know, the table out, the room, how management ran it. But that's just part of how this unique situation is here in South Florida. Right. So the players need to uh, do the following. You need to know where the action is, know what your bet is, act in turn, and as a result, avoid those pesky floor calls that waste time. Uh, the one that we, they can help you, and I'm sure you never had a problem with this, but I've seen some uh, female dealers that had fairly short arms that really had to reach across, so you had to concentrate on getting your chips out there it so af- she could reach them. It affects everybody. Uh, seats... On a on a regulation hold'em table, unless you're you got very long arms, and after dealing for a few days, back problems is one of the major issues for dealers. Okay, it seats three and 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 seven or eight are at the furthest end, and when you have people who are putting their chips literally like you know five inches in front of them, it it kills you. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, Dave, I saw a guy doing this on a thirty sixty. Uh, limit game at the, at the Bellagio, who just was a complete a-hole to the dealer. And the dealer asked him like three times, please, sir, can you please reach in? And on the third try, the guy said, listen, just shut the F up and deal. Wow. So so the dealer said, next time you do that, I'm going to deal you out of the hand. And that's what happened. The guy you know, jumped out of his chair freaking out. We were We were on a time collection. And he freaked out. The supervisor came. And eventually, after they talked, I went to the supervisor because in a lot of these situations, they want to blame the dealer for just, you know, being a, you know, a jerk. Right. Right. I went up to the supervisor and said, listen, this guy's been doing a, a tremendous job. I explained who I was. I'm not just – I go, but listen, he asked the man at least three or four times nicely to do this. And finally, on the last time, the man responded, just shut the F up and do your job. Y- you know, listen, you – if you're not going to help, if you're not going to help us, we don't need you to be in. I, as a manager, I don't want you to be in that seat just to create situations with the dealer or to upset us. Because I guarantee you, sooner or later, he was going to have an issue with one of the other players. Right. Because that's just the personality that you got there. Well, she says, uh, put out your chips, please, in a way that's easy to count visually. Don't just uh, toss them out in the group and don't play a bunch of uh, $25 chips 
or 25 uh, greens uh, when you have a bet of a 2,500 just because you don't like the smaller chips in your stack. And I have said that to people, and what happens in poker and in most gambling, people are superstitious. They've accumulated all these chips because they started with those green chips, and now they're making these bets. And, yes, it's frustrating as hell as a dealer because now they may be making a bet of, say, 3,000. You know, and now instead of putting out 30 black chips, you know, which they've got stacked up in 20s, instead of just putting out one stack, that's 2,000 breaking out 10 black. No, they're going to put 2,000 out in, in, in greens, which is 80 chips, okay, and then another 10 black, and they're slowing the game down, and you're asking them, can you please just use the blacks for now? And they'll tell you, hey, listen, I'll put my chips out there how I want until they color them up. And what can you say? They're allowed to do that. It's one of those things that we spoke about, the unspoken etiquette last week, right, I think right. it was. Yeah. Well, that's one of them. You know, use those, those, you know, use the bigger chips to move the game along. It's easier for us to see. It's easier for the other players who follow the action after you to see how much you bet. You know, because sometimes they just push those chips out there and they don't declare an, an amount. And you don't have to until someone asks you, how much is that bet for? I got a question for you. You have to move around the room in 30, whatever, 30-minute segments. Uh, you know, you go to another table. Have you totally noticed that you're following somebody that's horrible, that all of a sudden it's going to make you look really good, but also you have to change some bad habits that were just accumulated over the last 30 minutes? Uh, yeah, and, well, it all depends on how the, how, how the room handles their rotation, but that's an outstanding question, Dave, because every dealer who's had – any amount of years, at least 10 years of experience, has had a rotation where you have followed the same person for at least half a night of your shift. Right. Okay? And, yes, you'll know right away. You know why? Because the players, you're going to hear, you know, nine different players or ten different players every single table that you go to. Oh, thank God, you know how to do this. Oh, my God, that dealer didn't know how to do this. You, know, you hear the same complaints at each table as you move on right. as a dealer. Okay, now, you know, besides telling you, some of these people will get up and tell a supervisor. But a lot of times it's just blowing a little bit of steam, you right, know. Right, uh, exactly. Oh, thank God, you know how, you know, or, and sometimes it wasn't even the mechanics of running the game. It was the personality. You know, like I said, my personality is very different. I had a lot of fun at the tables, okay. If the table was a f had fun people on it, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed it. Hoping to earn tips when it was live, and even if it was tournament, just because it makes the time go by much quicker. And like I said, you know, some of these players don't have a personality. Somebody will say a crack, and I'll laugh, and I'll say, that was very clever, you know. Blah, blah. Oh, thank God, we got somebody with a sense of humor, or, you know, someone someone who could think. Because these last two dealers, you know, that you couldn't get them to smile, uh, yeah. you know, no matter what. Well, so, yes. Conversely, you may have to follow someone that you know is really good, so you really have to step up your A-game. Well, and, and I've had to do that, you know. And, and, and once again, using my humor, I remember this one kid, he had the same last name as I did. Uh, George Rodriguez is his name. And he he was probably the fastest dealer getting cards out there. Now, they weren't always as neat, but I'm telling you, he got them out there in half the time of, of any other. Re and, I, and I prided myself on being an outstanding dealer, especially in my early years of doing this because I loved this job. And I know I was quick. And after watching Georgie deal, you know, and he had a large personality also. I got to the table whenever I had to follow him. All right, guys, the game's going to slow down by about 10 seconds on the, you know. I, I, 
no one could follow this kid for that speed. There right. was no one in the room that was even close to his speed. Well, the line you pulled out of the story that I uh, thought kind of summed it up, it was fairly early in the story, but she says, dealing poker is an easy skill to learn, but a difficult one to master. And that, and that is, that. I, I mentioned to you before we went on the air, I said if I was still teaching poker, you know, students, I'd, I'd have that engraved on a plaque and put up there to, to, for, for dealers to understand that. Right. It is an easy game to learn. You have to put in the work, the, the, you know, and it, it Dealing is, is a unique skill level because you need to master a physical skill of it, and you also have to be mentally sharp to run the game properly. But like anything else in life, until you put in the hours, okay? And, and it's like anything, I, I, I equate this to sports because I grew up playing a lot, of, you know, a lot of different sports as a young man. You know, yes, you know, you... You may know you may know how to hit a, a fastball coming in at you, but you got to learn how to hit a slider or a curveball, and that that only comes with experience. Right. That's how you master the game of poker. You're, it's so hard compared to other situations because you're dealing with personalities. So to master the game is you may have a very difficult table where everyone just comes out of that table dealers say man man these people are a bunch of idiots you know a bunch of jerks on table 10 and also now it's your turn you've been hearing this from dealers while you've been dealing other tables and it's your turn to get to table 10 now i used to try to uh, you know get all the information i could is it just because they're just complete jerks cuz then there's nothing you could do right or is it because any little thing throws them off. If, if if one card flipped up and it was air or somebody's hand moved up and they're just pissed. So for me, I try to make that half hour there. I would try not to go through the scenarios that I would hear the other players telling, you know, that they were dealers that were complaining about what was going on on that table. So, yeah, you know, that, that that's what I would do in that scenario there. Uh Another story that I brought in tonight is uh, one we mentioned last week, and that was the circuit event in uh, uh, at the Horseshoe in southern Indiana outside of uh, Louisville. And the main event winner was Heather Alcorn, who is actually a, a poker dealer, female poker dealer. And she said that uh, she is normally a dealer who travels the live circuit, but she, for some personal reasons, couldn't make the, the event this year. And she thought, well, she was in the area, and she dropped in to say hi to friends that she'd met, uh, not only dealers but players and that sort of thing. And she was just going to stay one night and play a tournament. Uh, but she ended final, final tabling that tournament. So she played another one, final tabled that one as well. So wow, now she bought her. into the main event with the money she had won, $1,700 buy-in for the main event. And she ends up winning the tournament, 129000 What a great story. It really is. And, and like I've mentioned many times on this show, you're just on that streak. Final table, final table. Your confidence level is very high, and you're also a little frustrated that you didn't get a chance to finish it out and win, and win one of those tournaments, and boom, there you go. She actually defeated Kevin Iacofano in uh, head-to-head play. She had a 2-1 to chip lead heading in. And extended the lead up to a nine to one ship advantage before she finally put him away and uh picked up pocket fives Alcorn had uh, ace nine and couldn't uh, match up so she held on for the victory for the hundred and twenty nine thousand dollar first place that was in uh southern Indiana at the uh w s o p uh I, I'm not sure if that's Hammond or I think Hammond might be the one outside of chicago but uh anyway uh kind of a great story that uh you know 
sometimes you just go and you don't even have to plan ahead to uh, play in some event and and yeah. and uh, the force be with you. That's it. That's well, what I don't remember it was a few years ago that a guy sat down, bought into very late into the tournament because they were about to close. And he thought he was playing Hold'em, and then he found out it was a RAS tournament or something, and he wound <laughs> up taking He didn't even know how to play the game. They, they kind of learned kid, along the way. Learned, yeah, people were kind of teaching him the basics real quick and wound up winning the tournament. Okay, let's take a break here in the show. We'll come back with some more interest. There's a lot of talk out in Vegas that the uh, Rio Casino could be demolished to make room for an NFL stadium. Or actually, a, I'm sorry, a Major League Baseball stadium. They already have the plans for the for the Raiders. But uh, that could be interesting. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll return after these messages on the show. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line. You can always pick up the show uh, on our website, PokerActionLine.com. You can get it on uh, iTunes. Uh, I invite you to uh, subscribe to the program there. Uh, rate us, uh, whatever you need to do. Give us a couple of five stars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or you can go to Hold'em Radio Network. We carry the show there, the pod- PokerFuse podcast page. Uh, best place we uh, found to listen to the show and uh, that is SoundCloud. So sign up for SoundCloud and uh, or wherever you get your uh, your uh, podcasts. There's several different places. 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and several others like that. So uh, we hope you'll join us every week. Uh, we move into the fall here, working on some guests and uh, a couple of book authors that we're working on right now. And we'll try to have those lined up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the uh, event number two over in World Series Poker Europe, done for the day. They will come back for the final table of six tomorrow. Oshi Moshe, Asi Moshe, is the chip leader there. And event number three is the PLO 8 or better, uh, 550. And they are done for the day as well over there with the uh, time difference. Uh, Max Pescatori was in that tournament and uh, got eliminated, as was Sean Deeb. Uh, but the only person uh, left in that tournament, uh, two people actually that I'm familiar with, uh, obviously Dutch Boyd, but is way back in the chip counts, and Chris Ferguson still alive in that one. 24 players, 21 players left out of that one, and they will finish up a little later in the day. Dortal is the chip leader, followed by Peter Jackson and Michael Magalashvili. Anyway... Uh, easy for you to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the story on the Rio just came out uh, that uh, owned by Caesars. Uh, obviously, uh, World Series of Poker has been there for many, many years. I think it came there in 2004, 5? I guess 2005 was the first year at the Rio. So it's been there ever since. Um, you know, people have their complaints, and it's not right on the strip. So it takes a little work to get there. Uh if you're not staying much. on the strip, yeah, I not mean, much. there's lots of great transportation there. And uh, word came out that uh, Major League Baseball is looking very closely at Vegas as a possible uh, expansion site. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, they're talking about putting a team there eventually, and that uh, you know whoever buys the team uh, will put the stadium in that area, and the Rio could be torn down in the future. Well, all I can tell them is they better build something like what the Marlins did down here because that heat will kill people. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, the Raiders are all set to move. Uh, next year, I believe, is the year the Raiders go in there. They have a $2 billion stadium there uh, that is under construction. Of course, uh, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, came last year to a big splash and a lot of popularity because they played so well. I mean, that's that's the bottom line in sports. You just win, baby. That's it. And then you'll you'll get over your crowds, uh, but we'll take a look. Um, uh, you know, it's the the Palms Casino is right in that area. The Golden Nugget, or is it the Golden Nugget? What's next door to the Rio? Um, hmm. Not the Golden Nugget. Well, maybe it is. I can't remember exactly. But that whole area just off the Strip, uh, and there's going to be uh, talk that the WSOP plans the on Gold moving. Coast, I think the Gold Coast. Gold that's Coast. That's it. That's, that's it exactly. That's uh, WSOP is planning on moving uh, to the Caesars Forum Convention Center sometime. Uh, that is going to open in 2020. So they had plans already to move. Uh, right now they're denying it. They had a record turnout this year, and uh, we'll see. Of course, the WSOP was born at Binion's in the Fremont Street downtown area of Vegas before moving Can to the Rio in 2005. <laughs> Have you been, you've been to Binion's, right? Yeah, I played, I played a tournament there one that? morning. Can you imagine that size of that room compared to you know, having what they have now? No, no, I couldn't. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, tiny. You can't even think about that. Uh, three years ago, uh, there was uh, a potential sale of the Rio, and their casino value was pegged at $500 million. So Oof. this is all... This is all obviously big money and lots of stuff to do. 
I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take one final break. We'll come back and do our final segment. We'll we'll come up with something during the break. Poker Action Line comes to you every week, and uh, we hope you'll pick us up on SoundCloud and uh, subscribe. Follow us there. Uh, also, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter or on uh, Facebook. So. Uh, Lots of ways to get the information for the show, and uh, we'll work on getting some guests for you here in the fall. Let's take this break, though. We'll come back and do our final segment when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Okay, final segment of the show. I did want to, uh, with the election getting closer, uh, obviously uh, lots of Senate seats uh, up for grabs. Uh, the entire House, I guess, is up for grabs. And uh, you know, wondering whether the Democrats will be able to gain control of the House or whatever. I mean, I don't know what your point of view is out there. But uh, here locally in Florida, there's a couple of things on the ballot that are pretty interesting having to do with gambling. Uh, one is uh, Amendment 13, which is the elimination of, of dog racing in Florida, making dog racing illegal. Now, this is a... There's still uh, the most dog tracks are in Florida right now, I guess 12 uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, it was really the backbone of what brought poker to the state, really, uh, on a regular basis. Of course, very limited basis originally when you started at Miami Highline. They first had it there. It was ridiculously uh, small game, quarter, 50 oh, cent, and it for, really... For, uh, for six, for almost five, six, seven years. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Ridiculous. And uh, you started earlier than that, obviously, at the, the Seminole uh, Classic Casino, uh, dealing poker there, but uh, when you ran the room and everything. But the dog racing has really kind of made it explode. It's uh, a big part of it, because there's not that many horse tracks, but there's a lot of dog tracks. And when uh, the paramutuals in Florida got the chance to do it... Uh, 
you know, it was it was pretty widespread around the state of Florida. So eventually, uh, the rules changed and things opened up, and the handcuffs came off, and uh, uh, we were allowed to have tournaments here and uh, higher stakes poker, and it became real poker to where it's just exploded in this state. Yeah, we we, we it took forever, <laughs> painstakingly slow, and then once they did start moving, it was real small baby steps before they finally allowed us to get to. Um, you know, to get to the uh, what we have today, which I believe started in 2010. So right. We've been doing this for eight years now. I I I can't imagine. I, I I still can't believe it's been that long. Well, we talked about the trend recently that uh, a lot of these tracks have fit just. You know, they can't support it with the amount of people that come to bet on the races. So uh, they would like to get rid of it. And for a long time, people wanted to get rid of it, but it was the animal, the PETA, animal people. Uh, talked about cruelty, which is what they're using now in a lot of the advertisements to support Amendment 13 to get rid of dog racing, but also uh, several other things, the anti-gambling people and, and all kinds of things have fought it for years, but the tracks really want to keep it. Now, still, there's a couple that still do pretty well. Palm Beach Kennel Club still does well. Um, I guess Hollywood, which is now Mardi Gras, I guess is doing okay with it. Not great, but no, uh, Magic City, Magic City I think is, is doing is, okay. Uh, but you know, none of those. Uh, I guess Hollywood is, would love to get rid of it because they're not making every. Sing- Let me tell you, you something. Palm Beach Kennel Club is supporting. Uh, an, yeah, I understand that, an, Dave. A no vote on this because uh, you know they, their take is big, but the, the pools are nowhere what they. Used no, no, to nowhere, be. nowhere what they. Used and to be. what they're hoping to do because uh, the Palm Beach Kennel Club and and. and West Palm Beach down here in South Florida, they already had a countywide vote that they want the slot machines to go in there like we have them in Broward and and Miami-Dade. Right. And trust me, and and just look at the history of of, uh, racinos, as they like to call them, okay, what we have here. And almost every uh, other state that has had it, you know, that has attached slot machines or limited casino games to the paramutuals. I believe almost all of them, unless they're horse tracks, is the only ones that don't go away. Most of them, you know, when it's been dog tracks and the very few highlights that have been around, you know, dwindling down over the years, they get rid of them because, you know, no one's there. It's not profitable. It's not profitable. Yeah. It's a huge expense to the ownership there, which, okay, that's not, uh, not our concern. We want yeah. the players to do well, but... Nobody's playing that. The game takes too long. The take is way too big, you know, compared to what a casino is. That's why most dog tracks, I remember Atlantic City Raceway, which was iconic, you know, lasted for maybe six, seven years after Atlantic City got casinos. And they were a good good distance away from them because they were about 20 miles away from, from the casinos. But they just, they couldn't overcome, you know, people going to the casino where the action is quick. And the take is it as bad as a casino is? It's nowhere near what the take is at at a paramutual. Well, uh, you may not care what my personal view is, but uh, I'm going to give it to you anyway because this is my show. So yes, sir. Uh, so uh, I loved dog racing when I was younger and and had my gambling stuff, and I won a couple of big uh, trifectas, yeah. and it was very exciting for me, and I always liked it, but. You know, it's uh, it's not easy unless you go all the time to handicap the races, and it's a lot of work and that sort of thing. So I really hadn't gone that much. I'm not one of those people. I don't like to see animals mis- mistreated, but I don't. Uh, I can't support any 
uh, of these uh, animal rights groups that say that it's just horrible for these dogs. And I don't know anything about how they, what cages they keep them in. I do know they get injured occasionally in races. Whoa. They have to put them down. There's no question about that. But uh, I don't like them telling us that we can't have dog racing. We've well, had it for 50 years. I've loved dog racing also. My father grew up. My only thing my father really gambled on was horse racing, going to Aqueduct in Belmont in New York, right? Dog racing here was something that I loved when I moved down here. I used to love going to, to Magic City, Flagler dog track as it was. I remember coming very close to hitting that tri-super thing that they used to have at the Biscayne dog track, which is no longer existing, uh, where you had to hit a try and then exchange the ticket plus the money for a super. And I came very close to hitting for $300,000. My four dogs came in position. But... I don't know if you've seen the reports. What the, what Peter, I think, really has more issue with is some of these owners, which is very despicable in my you know in my view, disgusting. Uh, once the dogs are no longer viable, don't earn them any money, they give them up. Now they do have some adoption places where people get them, but when they don't, I remember there was a news report a few years ago, and it turned my stomach to see what they do to these poor dogs yeah. up in the panhandle. Well, there is and stuff that happens. It's so There's disgusting. No I don't even want to discuss it because yeah. it turned my stomach. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on to uh, Amendment 3, which is really the big one on the ballot this year. And it's kind of been uh, basically uh, a fraud the way it's been uh, well, they advocated that, for. <laughs> and that happens a lot in voting. You're right. Uh, it's uh, The group that put this up as a proposal was called Voters in Charge, which is financed like 95% by two entities that don't want any more competition for themselves. Disney World, Disney, and the Seminoles. And, and here's the thing. The concept couldn't be any better for, for what I would want. I would want the people to choose whether to expand. And, and we've had votes, like I mentioned earlier, in West Palm Beach, up in the county where Jacksonville is, which I don't remember what the name of it is. I think Tampa's also had a vote where the voters of that county, you know, over 50% wanted the slot machines. Yeah, the referendums, county, yeah. Right? But the way that this is worded from what I understand, you know, which is the tricky part for people who say, oh, yeah, I want the people. I don't want the politicians deciding for me. Yeah, they it made sounds it, good. They made they, it so difficult to first of all get a vote, get it on the ballot, and two to pass it, where I believe you have to have over sixty percent. That's correct. Of the vote has to be there. You you know why sixty percent? Everything else in, in this in this country and in our state is all you need is fifty point one to pass. Well, you're right. It says uh, it said basically gives voters the exclusive right to offer offer authorized casino gambling expansion in Florida, which sounds good. But they've made it so difficult that the number, like uh, three-quarters of a million signatures needed to even get it on the ballot. And then from there, you need 60% to get it passed. I could live. I think most people could live with the three-quarters of a million uh, signatures to get it on the ballot because I don't think that would be a problem. The problem is I honestly believe now the state of Florida you know, will give you a little over 50%. But I don't think you'll ever, ever get in the state of Florida 60% of the voting public to to agree to uh, you know expand uh, casino gambling in the state of Florida. Well, it, it looks like uh that uh if you vote yes, you're really 
preventing any expansion of casino gambling, which is why the the, the Seminole Hard Rock and the uh, the Indians right. down here in Florida do not want. Uh, uh, they're big. They they're, want this to. They're pass. big backers they of this it. of this yeah, amendment for, to vote yes. Absolutely. So uh, that's the kind of clears it up a little bit. If you want. Uh, Destination casinos, the sands, uh, you know, the the wind to come into Florida and create more gambling uh, opportunities and, and, and spread around the state a little bit more, then you need to vote no on this. That's it. And, and it's funny for me to think that Disney and the Hard Rock are actually partners. Partners. You can't imagine that in any other, in any other aspect than this vote. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. That's on the ballot. And... Uh, as it looks right now, uh, the people that do the polls and have talked to voters and, and what they like realize that many people don't really haven't looked that deep into it and don't understand and feel like it's going to pass easily. It's funny that you and I forgot about that, but in today's mail, you know, you're getting all these, you know, pol- political advertisements. It said, if you vote no on Amendment Three, your taxes are going to rise. Well, you know, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think there's a lot of things that they bring out there. But I don't know if you've noticed on TV, the Minute 3 support has been about 3 to 1 in, in number of ads that you'll, then you see against uh, Amendment 3. Yeah, so. So they're trying to money this thing through. Yep. So that's uh, something you need to look at. Uh, you know, expansion <laughs> of poker, uh, you know, kiss it goodbye if this passes, I would say. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. There's no way. The history of this state tells you there's no way. That's why they hit those numbers at 60%. And let me make it clear. I'm, I'm not against I, I think the Seminoles have done a tremendous job. The they Hard have. Rock. They've, they've improved the poker scene so much in this state. And I give them credit for all the things that they've done and to improve the game. Not only that. But, you know, I mean, you get to a point where their competition is good and can make things better. They've done it, and it's all been very classy. You understand? They, like I said... I think if they had wanted to, they could have put a lot of paramutuals, you know, poker rooms out of business. Right. If they really, really, if that was, okay, we're going to take a loss this year, but we're going to close just about everything around us. They haven't done that, you know, and I think they know that that would upset a lot of people. They, they, it, but it's almost like somebody saying, well, I'm going to just give you enough enough food so that you can live and, and you know, and, and you can move on. But um, like you said, the the the... The people moving down here from the various states, you know, listen, why not let every county do it on their own, make sure that the local government of those counties want it, and just go from there. Yeah. And, and I don't understand what the big deal of that is. If your well, county doesn't want it, God bless you, don't do it. Don't don't have it put up, but it's, others it's want like to do. E- it's like everything in the election season. You really don't know who or what to believe. B- because in. they play games, yeah. and it's so disgusting and, and disturbing. It really is. They try to confuse the voters, and it to me it's, you know, I hate the way that the politics, uh, politics have gone now over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm voting no, and... Uh, you know, I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago, until I looked into it a little bit, what was going on. Because it's so easy to just not really do your research or your homework and yep. then just say, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'll, I'll vote for that. And that's why, you know, things <laughs> have gone to hell in a handbasket in this country, in my opinion. But anyway, whatever. Uh, we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for the show. Gio, thank you for all your help, as usual. And uh, Joe, you as well. We'll be back next week with another edition of the show. Look forward to a big uh, winter season down here in South Florida and a lot of things going on. We'll check all that out as well. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Live.
The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.